that a fun song? I like Christmas songs. I like Christmas stories, don't you? So I'm in Culver's the other day with the family, and right behind us is um, a pastor from across town, a youth pastor, a kind of a distant relative, Mark Worth. And he's got his little family with him there. And, uh, and I turn around and I say to his oldest daughter, so are you on the naughty list or are you on the nice list? And she looks at me and she says, you know, we're all on the naughty list. <laughs> <laughs> oldest child of a pastor, we're all on the naughty list. And we've sinned against God and we've broken his law. And Jesus came and died on the cross. And if we believe in him, then we can be on the nice list forever. I'm like, give that girl an extra ice cream. Isn't that great? But the Christmas story that I like the best, the Christmas stories that I love the most are the ones in the Bible. In Matthew, especially in Matthew and in Luke, you know, those, uh, those birth narratives. And really, in, in, each of the, in each of the Gospels, you have a, a kind of a biography of, of Jesus. And they're, and they're all a little bit different perspective, especially they're different perspectives on the birth of Jesus. Matthew, if you will, is the biography of Jesus written primarily to Jewish people, proving to them that Jesus is the Messiah. Mark, you could say, is the biography of Jesus written primarily to a Rome, with a Roman audience in mind. And the Roman audience had world domination in mind, military power, human authority. But Mark tells the story of a, of, of, of a servant and of sacrifice. Luke is written, uh, is a biography of Jesus, is written with more sophisticated language, and it's aimed at a Greek audience, showing that the Son of Man came to seek and save sinners. And he's the answer to the needs of the human race. But John's biography of Jesus is a unique story. It's unique from the others. It starts from the very beginning. It's almost like the birth story of Jesus from heaven's point of view. There are no shepherds, there are no angels, there's no Mary and Joseph evident really in that. It's the, it's the birth story of Jesus from God's point of view. And that's the one, that's the point of view that we want to look at the birth of Jesus today from, if you will. And it's where we find the name of Jesus that we want to concentrate on today in this What a Wonderful Child series. We talked about Jesus who's Emmanuel, God with us and Jesus who's the savior of the world. And today we wanna to talk about Jesus the way John talked about Jesus. What does it mean that Jesus is the word? What does it mean that Jesus is the word of God? Like if you're sitting there right now and your arms are, you know, in your mind, your arms are crossed and you're thinking, so what on earth does this have to do with me? We wanna answer that question today. Why does it matter to you if you're a 16 year old boy that Jesus is the word of God? or if you're a 15 year old girl or if you're a 60 year old man raise your hand if you're a 60 year old man just kidding uh, what does it mean to you why should you care why does this matter in your life want to talk about that you take your bible turn to john chapter one we want to read again a bit of the text that we had read during the advent candle lighting and i want to show you quickly i want to show you six different things about jesus embedded in this rich text in the beginning was the word john writes this it's supposed to obviously remind you of genesis chapter one it's it's supposed to echo genesis chapter one in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him without him 
was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus' name is never used in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, but it's obviously talking about Jesus. You can see in verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him. Obviously, the word is who? The word is Jesus. That's the safe answer in any Sunday school lesson, right? The word is a name, is one of the names for Jesus. And the question would be, now, why word? Why would God want to use this? Now, notice these things about Jesus from the passage that I just read to you. This is going to be quick, so you have to write fast if you want to write them down. Number one, Jesus is eternal. It says he's from the beginning, just like Genesis 1-1. Jesus is eternal. Did you know that? Jesus is eternal. When Jesus was born in human flesh, that wasn't Jesus' beginning. Jesus never had a beginning. This is what the Bible says. Second, Jesus is God's, among other things, Jesus is God's way of expressing himself to humankind. He's the word. One of the things that means is God is not just there, but he's there and he has spoken and expressed himself. He has a passion to communicate things about himself to us, thanks be unto God. He was the word. Jesus is God's way of expressing himself to mankind. One, Jesus is eternal. Two, Jesus is God's way of expressing himself to mankind. Three, Jesus is equal with God. The word was with God. The word was God. Fourth, Jesus is God. So here's what, you have a pretty powerful cluster of truths about Jesus that if you're sitting here today, no matter you know, what age you are, what gender you are, or even if you're confused about your gender, this is one thing you should know. Jesus is God. Jesus never had a beginning. You want to know who God is? Jesus is God. And so think about that's powerfully meaningful to every single soul sitting in the room and all over the world today. Is there a God? Yes, there is. Who is God? Jesus of the Bible is God. And so the Bible is true, and Jesus is God, and now you know the direction that your life should take. There's more. Number five, Jesus is the creator of the universe. In verse three, look what it says there again. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. There's nothing that exists that does not exist because Jesus made it. Jesus is God, so he's eternal, God's way of expressing himself to mankind, equal with God, he is God, and he's the creator of the universe. The universe didn't happen, didn't happen over ages of time. It was spoken immediately into existence by God. That's what the Bible says, you can read it in the Bible. And, and then, in the sixth thing is, Jesus came to bring light and life to a dark, dying world. We'll explain more of that if you come back on Christmas Eve, because we're going to talk about Jesus, the light of the world. But here John refers to that, and he says, Jesus came to bring light and to bring life to a dark and dying world. Now, it's really interesting that John uses this when he says word. He does it, there's a lot more behind it than you would normally think, because he's writing with a Greek audience in mind, and the Greeks would have seen the word as, that's just something they would have used, and they would have seen that as some kind of impersonal force behind the universe. And John is saying then to the Greek mind that would be reading the, 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 the force behind the universe is not impersonal. He's a man, he's God, who came in the 
form of a man in the flesh, and his name is Jesus. This is the life force behind the universe is Jesus. The thing that holds the universe together is Jesus. The, the one who made the universe is Jesus. The one that you will ultimately answer to is Jesus. The one that you will either spend eternity separated from or in fellowship with is Jesus. That's what he's saying. And the Jewish mind, they would have seen the word of God with not the same kind of clarity. They should see something good but not fully God. He's saying the word is not just from God or like God. The word is God. Jesus is God. It's easy to overlook the most important and central truths. Now, why does that matter? And I want to spend most of our time today, the next two or three hours, talking about why it matters. It's going to seem like that, but you know, why does it matter? First, he is the word. And if God is the word, if Jesus is the word, shouldn't you listen to him? And how would you listen to him? I read a book recently by a lady, a Wesleyan pastor's wife, she wrote a book about how she would read her Bible. She would take her Bible, she would read her Bible, and every day she would read her Bible with kind of new ears. Like, okay, what do you have to say to me today, God, from your word? This, by the way, is why good Christian people that are mature read their Bibles over and over and over again. You know, if you get a really good book, you might read it once. If it's really, really good, you might read it twice or three times or watch the movie. But the Bible devout Christians read it over and over and over again. And why is that? Why do the devout Christians read the Bible every day? Because it's a living word of God, and it speaks in a different way, if you will, to whatever circumstances you're in. So you're a different person than you were yesterday. You're going through different things than you were going through yesterday. This lady would say, she wrote this beautiful book about how her practice was every day she would have a special place and a special time that she would read her Bible. And before she would read her Bible, she wouldn't just read it so like she would understand and she could win arguments in Bible studies or she could, you know, puff up, you know present religious knowledge to other people. <coughs> she would say, today, God, speak to me from your word. So imagine that you do that. You get up in the morning and you say, God, I'm worried about stuff. Do you have anything to say to me? Lord, I have enemies. I feel like I have enemies. Do you have anything to say to me? Lord, I owe bills. Is there word? I want you to know I'm listening, God. You can listen to God by looking at nature. The Bible says that's true. You can listen to God by seeing the hand of God, the work of God in providence. But the primary way to really listen to God is when you open the Bible, God is speaking. He is the word. He's communicated. Are you... Are you a listener? So the, Jesus in his earthly ministry, he would say something like this. He would say, those who have ears to hear. Remember, remember that, him saying that? Those, so like, doesn't everybody? I mean, all, most people are actually physically hearing. That's not what he meant, right? He didn't mean those that aren't physically deaf. He meant if you're spiritually listening. I know a man, his, he and his wife had a disagreement about his hearing loss. She thought he had hearing loss. He didn't think she talked loud enough. So he decided what he would do is he would go to Sam's Club where they have the free hearing test and he would take the free hearing test and he would take the piece of paper and he would take it to his wife and say, see, I have perfectly good hearing. So he took the hearing test and the guy said, your wife is right. <laughs> he was hard of hearing. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what? I said, he is hard of hearing. <laughs> what if God speaks and you're hard of hearing? What if you don't have ears to hear? Listen, what if God is speaking and you are not listening what if god is saying you're okay and you didn't hear it what if god is saying you're not okay 
and you didn't hear it? What if God is saying, I see a flaw in your character that you don't, that you don't see, but everybody else sees? Would you like to know what it is? I go, I want to say, Lord, I want to have ears to hear when you speak to me. I don't want to be spiritually deaf. I don't want to be spiritually hard of hearing. So God, I'll get up every morning and not only will I listen to the bird song and look at the sunrise and see the beauty of creation, but I will also open your word and I will read your word for me today so that I can repent of whatever sin I need to repent of or obey whatever direction that you've given me or take the counsel that you've given me or, give the, or take the, the, uh, the comfort that you've given me in your word or enlighten me, God. God, you're the word. I'm all ears, right? I was with a group of Christians real recently, and we went around the circle, and everyone started telling a personal testimony of a time they saw the hand of God in their life, or they heard the word of God in their ear. They heard the voice of God in their heart. It was the sweetest thing. I wish you could have been there. One, you know, a couple people said, I know that God protected my daughter when she was in a terrible accident, or God protected me, and he told me ahead of time what was going to happen, or he delivered us through this time of, of tremendous uh, danger, or he provided for us in a time when we had terrible needs, or he sent the right person. One lady said she was protected when she was attacked by a man, by God. She felt the hand of God in her life. She heard a voice of God in her ears. It was the sweetest thing to be in the room and to go around the room and have every single person tell a story about how God provided a job for them, and they knew it was the hand of God with insurance just at the right time when they needed it. This is what I'm talking about. People that know there is a living God, and they're listening for him to speak to them. Through his word primarily, and in the voice of the Spirit in their heart. And there are other ways that God speaks, but primarily and clearly through his word. I want to be the guy. God, if you're speaking, I'm listening before you go home today. Hopefully, if I don't talk too long, we're going to sing a song at the end for you to think during that time. We'll have people up here to pray with you. I'm praying that many of you during that time or sometime on the way home or, or during my talk, you will say, God, please clean out my ears and help me to listen to you like I've never listened to you before. Some of you really, you're making big decisions in your life and you need to hear from God. Some of you are making big mistakes in your life and you need to step back and go, okay, God, if I'm making big mistakes, would you please show me and I will listen, and I will do what you say. He's the word. He speaks. How beautiful is that? What a name for a baby. The word of God. Now think about that just for a minute. It's the second thing. So that was like point number one. He's the word. Listen with your heart. Here's the second point. He's the word, which means he's the creator because he spoke things into existence. Imagine that. This is what the Bible says. He spoke things into existence. And the Bible says he's still speaking things into existence. He's still creating if you take your Bible and you look in John 1, as we just did, and you study that, you see that Jesus was the creator. If you look in Colossians chapter 1, let's take a look in our Bibles. If you're quick, you can turn to Colossians 1. Listen to this. It's talking about Jesus. Colossians 1 and verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Who is? Jesus. He's the firstborn of all creation. This is a special, unique way of saying that he never had a beginning. He's the 
progenitor of all creation. He's the beginning of everything. For by him all things were created in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Listen to, listen to this. There are people who say that they are great religious teachers and deny Jesus. Jesus made them too. You ever think about that? It's kind of interesting, isn't it? He'll judge them too. They'll answer to him someday. People that say Jesus doesn't exist, they'll answer to Jesus someday. He made everybody. Okay, that's what it says. There's nothing that was made, no authority, no ruler, no dominion that he didn't make. All things were created through him and for him. Who is this? This is Jesus. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he's the head of the body of the church, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. In him all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, or making peace through the blood of the cross. This is like universal language, right? Jesus is the creator God. Get this in your heart for a minute, because it's going to matter in a second for your life this week. Think about this. What I'm going to tell you is, looking back in the Bible, Jesus created everything. And looking forward in your life, he's still creating things and people. He took the word and spoke things into existence. He, he, you need him to speak some things into existence in your life this week. So do I. And will he do that? Yes, he will. I'm going to show you where the Bible says that. But, but first, look at Hebrews chapter 1. And if anybody ever tells you, Jesus is God, remember, read, read John 1, read Colossians 1, read Hebrews 1, and then just tell them, you're very confused. Okay, so Hebrews chapter 1, long ago... Many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Get it? His son is speaking, communicating about God to us. Whom he appointed, heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. And God didn't just, Jesus didn't just create the world, but he maintains and sustains the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He doesn't uphold the Christian universe by the word of his power. He, he upholds the entire universe by the word of his power. So don't say, I think Jesus is one of the great religious leaders in the world. He's not. He is absolutely not one of the great religious leaders in the world because he's either God, because he claimed he was, died, and rose again, or he would not be a truthful good religious leader he would be a deceiver you can't say there are a lot of good religious leaders in the world and jesus is one of them you can't do that with jesus because his claims were so clearly and the claims about him and the claims that he made and the things that he did and the glory that he took and the fact that he forgave sins and the things that he could do make him jesus is god who created everything get that in your mind now because we're going to go into this week in your life your marriage your relationship with your kids, your job, the things you worry about, your anxiety, your depression, your problems. Jesus is God, and he's the word, and he speaks things into existence, and he can speak new things into existence in your life. He can transform you. He says that very clearly in the Bible, and I'll show you that. Colossians 8, 6. Yet for us is one God and Father whom are all, of whom are all things. We are for him, one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, through whom we live. Ephesians 3 and verse 9 <clears throat> says, We make all things in the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. That's, that's, uh, that's Ephesians 3, 9. But Ephesians 2, 10 
You know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? For by grace you're saved through faith. Are you saved by works or are you saved by grace through faith? Which? Are you saved by, are you saved by grace through faith or works? Which? The, here's the right answer. You're saved by grace through faith or you're not saved. So, right? So you're not saved by works. That works are always present in the life of a person who's saved, but the works don't save them. That's why it says that all over the Bible. Titus chapter 3, Ephesians 2 and 9, John 3, 16. Those who believe have eternal life, not those who do a bunch of good works, but those who believe. This is the Bible's teaching throughout. You can't not see it once you see it. And it says it here in Ephesians 2 and 9, for by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then verse 10 says, but were his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Are you getting it? He's not done creating stuff. He's creating things ethically, morally, spiritually. Praise God. You're an old dog, but you could do new tricks. I'm just saying, you know, you're, yeah, you're old. You've been treating your wife that way for a long time, but, but you can stop and you can repent and you can change. God can create a new part of you. You've been saying that You've been, some Christian people are prejudiced against other races of people. Some of them even send money to those countries for missions, which is really weird when you think about it. And it would be good before they died for them to say to their kids, I repent because I have had prejudice in my life. And God is doing a new thing. He's creating a new thing in my life. He's making me love all mankind, all humankind even if they eat different food than me, even if they live in a different part of the world than me, I don't feel superior to them. I realize God created me and God created them. And he's doing a new thing. What new thing does he need to do in your life? What, what new thing do you need him to do in your life? Why don't you ask him that? Or why don't you go open your Bible tomorrow morning and say, I'm going to read, Lord, and if there's something new you want to do in my life, I'm all ears. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be great? What if your kids saw you transformed by the living God like they've never seen it before, maybe they would come to believe that your God really is God. There's a guy, there's a, a, a Russian scientist, his name was Boris Dotsenko. Maybe you heard his story. When he was a young man, he was in Siberia, and he was working at his grandfather's farm, and he fell asleep in a barn, and he tumbled down off of a pile of hay, and he discovered on the floor of the barn some old magazines and an old book with the cover torn off of it, and it had yellowed paper, and it was in two languages. It was Slavic on one side. It was English on the other. When he began to read it, he didn't know what he had, but it was a copy of the Gospel of John. He was a committed atheist. He didn't believe in God or, that, or creation. But when he read that, he said something about reading John chapter 1. He could never get it out of his mind. Many years later, he was in Leningrad, and he was a very, very, he was a rocket scientist. And he was in Leningrad, and he was in the university. He was visiting a professor that he admired a lot. And he looked in this professor's library, and, and this, for the second time in his life, he saw a copy of the Bible. And it shocked him that a scientist would have a Bible. He thought only ignorant people would have a Bible. Only ignorant people would believe in creation and in God. And then he was giving lectures in Canada one day. And when he got to Canada, he was in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And I'm about to tell you a Gideon Bible story, you see. And he opened up the... The, the, the little night table beside his bed and there was a copy of the Bible and his hands began to tremble and he thought, I wonder if I can find that Bible verse that I read when I was a boy. And he opened that Bible to John chapter 1 and he read about Jesus. Jesus revealed himself to him. He followed Christ. He defected. He came to, the, he came to Canada. 
It was at great personal cost. And, and, and Moody Bible Institute wrote a book called Scientists Who Believe, and Boris Dotsenko's story is in the book, Scientists Who Believe. Listen, you take your Bible, and you read what God has said about himself, and you believe it and you obey it, and it will transform your life. And will transform your life in real, tangible, measurable ways. We must believe that God has not done creating stuff in us. It'll be a good thing for us to think about when we think about the Creator. So the Bible says we worship the Creator. And in Revelation 4, 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord. This is the, throne, the picture of the throne room of heaven. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Because you created all things. And for your pleasure they are and were created what should we do when we realize who created everything? According to this passage, we should worship him. And if we worship him, we should submit to him. And if we submit to him, we should ask him, why don't you create something in my life? Why don't you create something new in my mind, in my work, in my parenting, in my marriage? Um, what, we should yield to him. Listen to what 1 Peter 4.19 says. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God, this is interesting, it's, Peter's talking here, Peter suffered, and he's giving a little talk about suffering, he's writing about suffering. He says, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Do you get what he's saying? When you go through suffering, commit yourself to God. Remember, he made everything and he's still making things. He's making things through your suffering. I know you're going through stuff that you might not even want to tell other people. It's hard. It's weird. It's embarrassing, whatever it is, going through stuff, right? We all go through stuff, every one of us. And we think, why me, God? Why would I have to suffer like this? Why would I have to go through this? Why would you call me to do this? He says, you know what? I'm creating something in you. I'm doing something beautiful. You commit the keeping of your soul to me. That's what Peter taught us. Can I read it again? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Right now, you want to get off of God's easel, right? You want to get uh, off of God's anvil. You want to get out of God's way. Like, God, why are you letting this happen? He's saying, stay put. I'm building something beautiful. I'm doing something good. Commit your soul to me as to a faithful creator. And there's, a, there's another thing about this in terms of application. So God is the word. Jesus is the word. We should listen to him. And the word is a creator. We should let him create something new in us right right now but there's something more and that is this is natural too when god creates something new in you you should let other people see it or tell them that you know christians call that a testimony charles spurgeon was a great victorian era english baptist preacher and charles spurgeon had a famous christmas sermon he preached once and he took an odd text he took the text about the gathering demoniac remember the guy over in on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, who was possessed of a demon, and then his demons went into the pigs, and the pigs went into the sea. And then Jesus says to him, often Jesus, when, he would, when, when someone would be converted, what would Jesus say to them? He would say, come and follow me. Spurgeon said, he didn't tell the gathering demoniac, come and follow me. He said to him, go home and tell your people all the things that God has done for you. And Spurgeon said to this great congregation at Christmas time, Go home at Christmas time and tell the people who come to your Christmas celebrations how God has changed your life. Now, let me ask you this. How has God changed your life? What has God been doing lately in you 
where you're different than you used to be? Do you have a word? Do you have a testimony? Don't think about other people. Just, you know, just think about you. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Can I stir up a little faith in you? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you say, I'm going to open my Bible Monday morning. I'm going to read it. Maybe tonight. I'm just going to read it. And I'm going to say, God, what is it you want to do in me? Some of you talk in ways you shouldn't talk. You say words you know you shouldn't say. And you're like, that's just me. You know, I just say that. That's how I was raised. Well, maybe that would be a, a new thing God create. You know, there's so many beautiful, life-giving words out there. God could take those words that are filthy out of your mouth, and he could put godly words in your mouth. Or maybe you gossip about people. And you know, you know, stop talking about people. I'm going to start praying for people. God, would you do a new work in me where I, instead of me saying mean things about other people, I just pray for other people. Wouldn't that just be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if people looked around and Christians were, you know, Christian. And he did Christian things. What if um, God put on you, heard, heard a guy tell a story about how he decided he wanted to give a certain amount of money. It's actually a pretty large amount of money. He wanted to give a certain amount of money away. And so he told his, his wife, I think he told his wife, that he's going to give this certain amount of money away. And, but things were thin, he didn't have the money. And then, miraculously, that exact same amount of money came from somebody who owed him money from a long time ago. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could tell me a story of something God did in your life this week? Because, I mean, he's at work in the world, he'll, he'll work in your life, and he wants you to be a testimony that in, the, in the living reality of God. Can I tell you how you could do this? I guarantee you how you could do this. You don't have to wait for, like, you know, a, a miraculous sign from heaven. Just repent of any sin you know, right? Just go, God, in what way have I sinned against you? Who have I sinned against? What have I said that I shouldn't have said? What have I done I shouldn't have done? What should I have done that I didn't do? And then you say, God, I acknowledge it was wrong, and I confess it. And I thank you for your mercy through Jesus Christ. Make a, make a new person out of me. Help me, Lord, to do that less or never again. Help me, Lord that my sin gets farther apart and less intent, and I grow in holiness, and I have a story to tell, not to brag on me, you know, but to say, Jesus helped me. He helped me with my discouragement. He helped me with my depression. Or he helped me with my anxiety. He helped me with my lust, or he helped me with my anger, or he helped me with my filthy mouth, or he helped me with my greed. What, what God will, I have, a, I have a friend whose name is Gary. He's a quiet man. And one day he told me a story. Gary said, this is in the church I passed before I came here. So Gary's a sweet Christian guy. He's an usher in the church. He's a quiet man. He's always a faithful usher. He's there every, every Sunday, and he loved the Lord. But he said, you know, Pastor, he said, one day he was going to work at night, and he saw me. I didn't know he saw me, but I was at a gas station, and when I went in to pay for my gas, there was a guy sitting there. His name was Sam, and I, I stopped and talked to that guy. I didn't witness to him, but I was trying to kind of get to know him so maybe I could, you know, influence him for the Lord. And I didn't know it, but Gary was there, and he saw that, and he assumed that I was witnessing to him. And he thought, oh, wow, the pastor's here. And he says, on his way to work. And he goes, that made him want to witness to somebody. So he got in the, the console of his car, and he got tracks out of the console of his car. And he went in the gas station, and he gave tracks to the people in the gas station. And he wrote me a letter later on and said, man, you encouraged me when I saw you witness that guy. I was like, well, I wasn't really witnessing yet. I just got his name, you know, but I was going to someday. But nonetheless, Gary says to me, when I was a boy, he said, my dad never taught me or my brothers and sisters anything good. He was an alcoholic, he was suicidal, and one day they found him floating dead in the Detroit River. And so my mom was raising us alone, and we didn't ever go to church, but she said this bus came along for a church, and they took me to church for a while. And they said, they took me to this church and they gave me a Bible. And they said, I took the Bible, and then when I got to be a teenager, I got distracted, and I got involved in, you know, drunkenness and drug abuse and stuff like that, and he really was messed up. He was off the rails bad, messed up. 
but he never threw his Bible away. He always held on to it because he felt it had some kind of, you know, sig sacred significance. So he held on to that Bible. And he would go up and down past the church that, that I pastored. He would go up and down that road because his drug dealer lived south of the church. He said one day he was down there and he was smoking pot with his drug dealer and then they were out of papers to roll a joint with and the drug dealer found a little New Testament and he started to tear a page out of the New Testament and Gary said, okay, wait, 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 don't do that. Don't, don't use the Bible. I don't want to smoke a joint <laughs> that was made with the Bible. And, and that caused him to start to rethink his life and Gary got saved and his life was transformed and he was delivered from, later on another guy got saved in our church and he looked over and he goes, who is that Gary? I used to drag him out from underneath the bush when he would pass out drunk when we were at parties together. That's not the same guy, is he? I'm like, nope, it's not the same guy. <laughs> but it is the same guy. And that's wonderful to hear a story about other people. But I wonder what is God doing in your life right now? How do you need to change? Maybe you should ask him. Maybe he would tell you. We're going to have, in a moment, we're going to have folks that come during the song. They're going to stand here. They would be willing to pray with you if you came forward. You come during the song. You come after the song. And just kind of say, hey, pray for me. I hope this is a powerful, good week for you. And that what you'll do is you will say, God, Jesus, you're the word. You're speaking. I'm all ears. I'm listening. Tell me what you want to tell me. And create in me what you want to create in me. Let's stand together and we'll sing a final song.